morning, everybody. How you doing? How are you doing? All right, that's better. All right, good to see everybody. Thanks for being here today. Um, it's good to be back with you here at Discover. And for those of you, of you who were here last week, uh, white cheddar is in the house. So get that out of the way. <laughs> I enjoyed being at C3. Um, if you were here, you heard an awesome message by Ben. Uh, he just does a really good job. Um, we were encouraged by what's going on there at C3 and actually what's going on in their family with Ben and Shana and their daughter Kaya. Um, so keep them in your prayers. Um, we're, they're part of us. And uh, it's an exciting thing to see God continue to multiply his kingdom. Um, this week, we're taking a break from the Luke series. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be doing, for the next two weeks, something called Identify Yourself, which is talking about who we are individually, but also who we are as a congregation. We believe that's really important for us to define that. And so we're talking about that for the next couple of weeks. Then is Easter, and we're excited about that. Um, Scioto Park is a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that as well. And then we're going to launch, as uh, Jordan mentioned, into an eight-week series um, called Side by Side, and that's important too. So there's a lot of different stuff that's happening. Uh, I want to I tell you why the violin is here. Um, it's not because I'm going to play it either. <clears throat> it's just going to help us think of something. Uh, there's a guy whose name is Fritz Chrysler, and Fritz is an incredible or was an incredible violinist. He was German, and he was leaving from Germany to go to another country to do a concert. And he had some time um, before he was leaving, and so he went into a violin shop, and he had his violin in his case with him, and, and the violin shop owner said, hey, let me see your violin. And uh, he said, okay. So he opened up his violin case, and there was this incredibly expensive violin that the violin owner knew was very expensive. I mean, the violin shop owner knew it was very expensive. And so he immediately thought, this guy stole this violin, and he's trying to get out of the country. <clears throat> and so he got a hold of the officials, and they detained Fritz Chrysler, the owner of the violin. And he said, wait, no, I, I'm Fritz Chrysler. I, I own this violin. And they said, sure you are. <laughs> yeah, how about some identification? Hey, you could have made that identification yourself. You are not Fritz Chrysler. And he said, I've got, to, I've got to get out of the country. I've got to go do this concert. Yeah, we know you're trying to steal that incredibly expensive violin. He said, here, let me have the violin. And he took it out, and he rosined up the bow. And uh, he started to play. And he played this incredibly detailed, intricate, challenging piece. And they said, hey. You're Fritz Chrysler. <laughs> the point for us is this. We can say, hey, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. And people say, you can say anything you want, but I need you to show me. I need you to demonstrate who you really are. And that's what we want to talk about for the next couple of weeks. We can say a lot of things, but it really comes down to who we are. Now, the logo that you see is from our Discover Connect software. And this is a way that we, as a church, communicate with one another. It's how we send out information. It's how you find out uh, what someone's address is or their email or those kinds of things. Um, but if you haven't logged in and changed your picture, this is your picture. 
For example, here's a picture of our elders, all right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Those guys. Now, the good news is they actually have gone online and they've done this, but this is what your picture looks like in Discover Connect if you don't go in and change your profile, okay? So we're like, you know, Bill Roberts, one of the elders, and then you go to look at Bill Roberts and there's this circle. You're like, man, he looks a lot like Keith Bumgarner. But, <clears throat> but here's who the elders really are. Here's what they look like. Okay, so that's really helpful. So we encourage everybody to jump into Discover Connect and, uh, and do that. If you haven't done it, you can see connect at discovercc.org if you've never gotten your profile um, or a login. <clears throat> if you have logged in but you've never changed your information, please do that. This is our church directory. This is how we connect. This is how the prayer list is put together. This is all that stuff. So please, please, please do that. Now, speaking of our elders, um, and, um, a few months ago, we sat in a meeting, and we talked about something. We prayed about something. We said, what, what is a win at Discover? What does a win look like at Discover? How do we know if we're winning? And we thought, okay, well, we could do it by the, the typical measurable things. You know, how many people are in worship attendance? How many people are in small groups? How many people are, are giving? What, what's the giving numbers? What do those look like? What about uh, people that are going on mission trips? How many people are serving? You know, all of these things that are measurable. And we thought, you know, those things are all good and those are all important. But that's really not what a win is. The, the most important thing is actually something that, that drives all of those other kinds of things that are measurable because this is it. A win is evidence of a life that's changing to be more like Jesus. That is a win. That is a win. That's it. It's when God changes people's lives. So when you are growing spiritually, that's a win. Now that's obviously a little harder to measure than numbers, but it's also what really matters. And so since it is harder to measure, it's, it's helpful for us as a, as a body to hear stories of change. And that's why we're starting this, this share your story idea. And it's not so that we can put people up here and say, look how great I am. It's not it at all. The idea is to say, here is what God is doing. Give God glory. Look at what this verse, uh, Psalm 66, 16 says. Um, Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Isn't that tremendous? I love that verse. Now, what God has done in your life might be this huge, dramatic thing that was just instantaneous. But it's possible that God is just working incrementally. And there's another step that you've been able to take as you've been following closely with Jesus. So we just encourage you to share your story. Again, whether it's big or, or what you think might be small. And you can do that each week with the connection card, or you can send it in via email. And the topics are always going to be a few weeks ahead so that we can share those together. Um, so please, please, please share your stories so that God gets glory and so that the body is encouraged. Now, this week when I was reading, I ran across a verse that really jumped out at me. And I know I've read it before because I've read Habakkuk before, you know. Don't you all read Habakkuk every week, right? So... <clears throat> I know I've read it, but when I read it this week, it really stuck out. And it just points out a principle that as you read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will, at certain points, just give you something brand new 
out of a verse that you've heard many times, right? Haven't you experienced that? It's a cool thing. So here is what this verse says, all right? It's Habakkuk 2.2, right? Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a messenger may run with it, all right? Now, what does that mean? In the context, it has a, a really important thing, and, and we're not going to talk about what that is, but the principle applies to our lives today, and this is the principle. God says, I want you to write down what I have clearly given to you, and I want you to then be able to communicate it. I want you to be able to take that message and run with it. Anyone should be able to take this clear message that God has given us and run with it. And that's the idea. So that's what we're going to do for the next two weeks. Talk about the things that God has given us. We're going to talk about how those are written down. We're going to talk about what that means for us as a body. And there are so many scriptures that go with this. We just really encourage you to dig into them. Uh, we will not have time to read all of those. But we really encourage you to do that. Now part of that message of that who we are, of that, um, that message that's really clear is right here on the walls. You hopefully have seen this. If you haven't, when you walk into a room, look around, okay? Just giving you a hint. But anyway, all right, so what's it say? Let's say it together. Love God, love people, impact the world. That's our mission statement, all right? And I think most people here could say, yeah, our mission is to love God and love people and impact the world. That is wonderful. That's part of who we are. That's part of our identity. But the challenging thing is, what does that look like in practical terms? How do we do that? How do we become that? And that's what we want to talk about for the next couple of weeks. So we can say, all right, what, for example, is expected of members at Discover Christian Church? It's a question that we get a lot. So we're going to talk next week about membership expectations, all right? So next week, we're going to walk through a brand new document that the staff and the elders have been working on that says, this is what we hope we are as people here at Discover. And then, again, after Easter, we're going to spend eight weeks talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And none of these are exhaustive, obviously, but we're just going to focus for eight weeks on what does it mean for me to closely walk with Jesus, side by side with him, and then side by side with other people. So encourage you to really pay attention and be a part of that, all right? Uh, the next thing, and this is what we're going to do for the rest of our time together, is we're going to talk through our We Believe statement. We're going to look at this statement called, We Believe. Now, before we jump into that, um, it's interesting. I don't know if any of you have been to a, a park. I think I'm saying this right. It's called Thaddeus Kosciuszko Park. It's over on Hard Road. It's across from the fire station. And when you walk in, if you go uh, on to the right, uh, there's, a, there's a walkway, like a bridge kind of thing. And then it stops. And, it, and at the end of it, there is a big sinkhole. Has anyone seen that? Anyone been there? All right. It's pretty cool. Um, until you realize the sinkhole is right here. <laughs> and that means the ground that used to be here is down there. And the ground that I'm standing on right now seems really close to where that ground used to be, right? You start thinking, is this thing going to fall in? Uh, so you just wonder. But I think that's a, a truth that happens so often in people's lives. Our world will build on something that seems like it's solid, and then suddenly it just collapses, and there's a huge hole. So when we build who we are, we need to build that not on this changing, shifting sand. We need to build it on the rock of Jesus and upon his word. And so that's what our we believe statement comes from, straight from the word of God. 
And it's important for us to understand not only are these things that we believe, these are things that we are. Rich Mullins said several years ago, what I believe is what makes me what I am. I did not make it. No, it is making me. It's just an important concept for us to understand. So as followers of Jesus here discover, this is what we believe. And we're going to walk through this statement of faith. But really, it's more than what we believe. It's who we are. First of all, we believe that there is one God, creator of heaven and earth, who exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see all of the verses that are there. And you can go on our website and pick this up. I am created. I am created. See, to know who we are, we need to know first who we are not. And we are not God. We are not God. However, we are created by God. This eternal, all-powerful God for a loving relationship. We are not accidents of nature. We didn't just happen. We are formed in the image of God. We are designed to live in harmony with, with God the Father, with, with our neighbors, with people. And actually, we're designed to live in harmony with creation the way that God originally intended it. Now, knowing that fact really changes who we are. It changes what we believe in so many ways. It gives us value. It's the first part of our identity. We are lovingly created in God's image. Next, we believe the Bible is inspired and given to us directly by God. It has no fault. It should not be added to or taken away from. And what we are from that is we are certain. Now, in our culture today, there are so few absolutes, so few certainties. And it's very good for us to be grounded on something that never changes. You know, our beliefs aren't based on what people say about God. Our beliefs are based on what God says about people. There's a tremendous difference. If you don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God and it's given directly from Him to us, let me just be really honest with you. You're going to struggle here at Discover <clears throat> because this is what we believe. This is who we are. Now, we're not saying, hey, you should then take off. What we're saying is dig into this. Read the Bible, study it, memorize it, apply it to your life, and see if it isn't living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It is true. And see if it doesn't change your life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Bible is God-breathed. And that's where we get the word inspired. It literally means that God breathed His words out and they came into this book. The Word of God is the Bible. So we are certain that it is the Word of God, that God breathed His life into it. And our understanding of who we are comes from the Word of God. Next, we believe that all have sinned and deserve eternal separation from God. It is impossible for anyone to restore their relationship with God by their own good works. Here's a popular phrase, I am sinful. Right? 
so common in our world today. <laughs> kind of anything but that. Now, we can obviously go too far, and, and we're not talking about making people feel guilt. We're making people feel aware. We are sinful, but we need to recognize that. It's important for us to recognize it because our, our choices have broken that original perfect relationship with God. And our choices have broken our relationship with each other. And our choices have broken our relationship even with creation. And not only is that bad news, there is more bad news. We cannot fix it. We cannot fix it on our own. Now, we can be sincere, and we can try really hard, and we can, in our human abilities, make some things better. But what we're doing is putting a bandage on a deadly wound. The wound remains. Now, this might seem strange to you, but to me, this is encouraging to know. Here's why. It's very obvious that the world is broken. And it's very obvious that I am broken. And so I can't fix it. I don't have to try to be perfect and, and act like I can do all the things that this world needs because I can't. I can't be all the things this world needs, and neither can you. And there's good news in that because it means we are not hopelessly giving up. It means that we are hopefully giving in to God and saying, Lord, I need you to come and fix this. And he is the only one who can truly heal all of the wounds this world faces because this is what we believe. Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God who led a sinless life, was crucified, and was raised to life. His sacrifice allows us to be seen by God as holy and without sin. See, even though I'm sinful, I am loved. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16 says, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the only one who can save us. And the reason he came to a broken world, to a sinful world, is because of love. So though we are sinful, we are loved. This is the good news. God can fix it. I am loved. You are loved. We are loved. The world desperately needs to know that God loves them. Our relationship with God and with each other, and again, even with creation, can be re repaired, restored, reconciled, to use the Bible word, because of what Jesus did. He loves us that much. Next, we believe the forgiveness and sin of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit are granted by God's grace through faith in Jesus. That faith is obediently lived out through belief, confession, repentance, baptism, and following Jesus. I am forgiven. Doesn't that feel good? I am forgiven. God has done everything that we can't do. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. And the Bible is really clear on how you receive that forgiveness. So let's walk through that just a little bit. First, belief. It's really just knowing everything that we set up to this point is true, right? 
All of those things about God are true, that, that he is the creator, that the Bible is true, that we are sinful, and that Jesus died in our place so that we could live forever. And belief is a daily action. It's not just a one-time thing. It's something you do every day. Confession, that's stating and living out your belief. You acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ or the Savior or the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And you need Him to enter your life. You need Him to declare you holy and just because of what He did on the cross. You admit that. You confess it. And again, that confession is a one-time thing, but it's an everyday thing. You say, God, today as I have awakened, I recognize I need Jesus today. And I confess that you are the Lord. So it's daily as well. Repentance, that's a Bible word that we don't use for too many things anymore. But again, as we've talked, it's simply making a U-turn. It's saying, I was going this direction. I am no longer going to follow my own path, my own desires. I want to follow the path that God has for me. And guess what? Those desires are even better. The things that he's going to give me are even better. And repentance is not just a one-time action. Unless you're, unlike every other person I've met on the planet, you need to repent consistently as well. You need to to turn around. You need to say, okay, God, I've been walking on my own path again. I need you to come and help me turn around and walk back to you. So it, again, is a constant action. Baptism. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of discussion about this issue. We believe the Bible's pretty clear on it. We don't think it's really that hard to understand. Baptism is when you connect with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a very cool picture in Romans chapter 6 that talks about that. That when you connect, when you're baptized, you connect with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, what he did on the cross. In in the book, uh, Peter talks about how it's not going into the water so that your body is washed. It's going in so that your soul is cleansed and you live out a, a life as a good faith pledge toward God. Jesus said it's part of becoming a disciple. It's part of this idea of discipleship. And the Bible is clear that a person needs to believe, and then they're baptized. And that's done by immersion, which means going under the water. And again, this is just part of following Jesus. However, there's something different about this. A couple of things that are different. First of all, this isn't something that you have to do every day. This is not like belief and confession and repentance. Baptism is a one-time act. There's something else that's different about it. Baptism is, is really not even something you do. Sometimes people say it's a work. It's not a work. If all you do is stand and someone pushes you underwater, <laughs> I'm not sure how you're doing anything. Do you understand This is something you have done to you. It's a submissive response to what God requests in your life. And so it is part of this process. The next thing is to follow Jesus, which is simply walking with him side by side. And like belief and confession and repentance, this is something we have to do every day. Because again, we have a tendency to sort of get off track. 
But it's, it's a wonderful picture. We walk so close to Jesus that we just kind of can't help becoming more like him. I love that idea. So as we respond in faith, we move from being slaves to being children. We move from being lost to being found. We move from being broken to being restored. You make beautiful things out of us. What a great thing. And so this is who we are. We're children of God today, and that goes on into eternity. Next, we believe that believers should worship God and love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Christians are to grow in faith and practice as empowered by the Holy Spirit. I am loving and all of the things that that entails. In response to God's love for me, I try to love God with all that I am, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I try to love my neighbor as myself. I try to love family members. I try to love my, my, uh, my coworkers, people that I'm in school with. And through the power that God only can give, it's even possible, Jesus says, to love our enemies. Wouldn't the world be a lot better if enemies loved each other? Jesus calls us to that, and that's not easy. But it's a part of our growing faith. And we should be more like Jesus today than we were a month ago or a year ago or a decade ago. None of us are perfect, but we should look to each day, we should be growing to be more like Jesus. And it's not just something that we put on so we come into a worship service or a life group, you know. I mean, we can do that, but then we're just saying something. We're not being something. It's all day, every day. And I fail at it just like you do, but I'm grateful that I can say over time, by God's grace, we become more like Jesus. Next, we believe that Jesus will visibly return without warning to judge all people. Non-believers will spend eternity separated from God, and faithful believers will spend eternity with God. And the key word there is faithful. Obviously, it's believer, but your faith, if it's going to be real, has to have action. A disciple named James wrote this in his letter. That's part of the Word of God. Show me your faith without deeds, and I, sh I will show you my faith by what I, what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Well, that's not very good news. <laughs> what James is saying is, if all you do is believe, you are at the same level as a demon. Ouch. That's a little scary. He's saying, you know, it, your faith, if it is going to be real, it just has to be accompanied by action. It has to be who you are, not just something you say. And again, next week we're going to delve into this a little bit more, dive in a little deeper, and 
talk about this clear picture that God has given us about who we are because it flows from our identity. And we believe the church exists to take the good news of Jesus to all people in every nation, to serve the world, to encourage and strengthen other believers. I am an ambassador. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who officially represents someone with greater authority. For example, you could be an ambassador for a government, or kings or queens have ambassadors. Well, God has ambassadors. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You are an official representative of God to the world. You are an official representative of God to the world. Now, that might be a little frightening to us, but let this sink in. God created you. God has gifted you. God is changing you to be the person who takes the message of Jesus to the world. He has so much faith in you. He trusts you with the most important message on the planet. He wants you to be his ambassador. And you bring physical, emotional, and spiritual food to people. You bring physical, emotional, and spiritual water that gives life to people. You bring physical and emotional and spiritual resources to people. You bring Jesus to people. People that desperately, desperately need him. So I would like for you to stand. This is one of those things that happens, <clears throat> and to be really honest, I hate that this is going to happen because I'm the person who's like, don't tell me what to do because I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> I'm a rebellious person. I really am, and I don't say that with pride. I say that with embarrassment. But if, you know, you're somebody speaking and they say, tell the person next to you, you look great today, I'm always like, So I get that this is going to seem a little bit contrived. My hope is that God is the one who is going to motivate us to do this. I would like for us to read this statement that talks about who we are. All right? I would like for us to read it together. I would like for us to read it with conviction. I am a created, certain, sinful, loved, forgiven, loving, faithful ambassador. That was marginally good. <laughs> And I know you're like, ah, oh, he's going to make us do it again, isn't he? Yeah. I'm going to ask you to do it again. I hope that God compels us to do this because we need to believe this is who we are. This is who we are. This is what the world desperately needs. 
So let's say it. Let's read it. Let's believe it. Let's be it. I am a created, certain, sinful, loved, forgiven, loving, faithful ambassador. That's what the world longs for. You are exactly who the world needs because they need Jesus, and you are the ambassador of Jesus. You are the one who has this incredible message. You understand the reason for our existence on this planet. You have hope not only for today, but you have hope for tomorrow. You have hope for what happens after we die. For eternity, you have hope. The question is this, are we willing to embrace who God has called us to be? Maybe one of you here hasn't embraced who God has called you to be, first of all, by becoming that child, by becoming the one who says, I do need you. God, I, I am created, I'm certain I'm sinful, I am loved, but I kind of can't go to the forgiven word in all honesty because I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. So if that's where you are, you can walk out of here different. You can walk out of here forgiven and empowered to love the world the way God has called us to love it and to love him the way he has called us to love him and to be a faithful ambassador. You can do that. You can come forward and, and just confess and believe and repent and be baptized and begin walking with Jesus in a new way today. For all of us, we have an opportunity, an opportunity to be love, to be Jesus with skin on to the world. What a tremendous opportunity. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that who we are is not just something we say, not something that we just intellectually grab a hold of, but we pray that it's really who we are. That we are created. That we are certain. That we're sinful. But we are loved. We are forgiven. And we are loving, faithful ambassadors of Jesus. God, forgive us when we aren't. Remind us of who we are to be. Empower us, Lord, so that your name would be made great in this community and throughout the world. Thank you for your incredible love and for the fact that Jesus was the ambassador that came from heaven to give his life for us and bring us a message of hope. We thank you and we pray in his name.